you would open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 7 this evening, this being a Sunday night lesson. Of course, I'm not going to take a whole lot of time uh, talking about these verses, but uh, I think it's interesting how these verses um, paint some pictures for us. Uh, A little over 24 years ago, 1994, uh, there was a movie that came out about an Alabama, Alabama simpleton, and I know that seems kind of like a redefining of terms because you say Alabama, then that's going to fit either way. But anyway, an Alabama simpleton, um, and the movie grossed over $677 million, and it was awarded six different Oscars. That's how popular that movie was and how uh, many people went to see it. Anybody remember what the movie was? Forrest Gump. That's right. Tom Hanks played Forrest Gump. And there is a line in that movie that's probably the most famous from that movie that everybody remembers who saw the movie. And that is what, Jeremy? Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Well, that little play on words, of course, caught people's attention, and, and people uh, like to quote it and can visualize it when Tom Hanks did it in the movie. But many, many years before this movie came out, the Apostle Paul did something very similar. Uh, he tells us here in 2 Timothy chapter 2 what the Christian life is like. It's almost like he says the Christian life is like, and then paints a picture for us. And he gives us some insight of oftentimes what we will be involved in as we live the Christian life. And so I want us to spend uh, some time this evening very briefly looking at some of the things that he says in this particular text. I do want you to notice that before he gets into his description of what the Christian life is like, he starts it off by emphasizing something that's very important. That's the beginning place of the Christian life. And, of course, as we look at these different pictures that are painted, it is all predicated upon this particular idea. He says in chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, Thou, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We need to understand, and Paul wanted us to understand, as we look at these different descriptions, this predicated on the fact, first of all, that our salvation is in Jesus Christ, and that is based on the grace of God. There's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. There's nothing that God can reward us for as far as the things that we do. But yet as we live the Christian life, we understand that there are things that, that are expected of the Christian life. And he wants us to make sure that before he even begins this description, that we understand that the thing that we need to be strong in the thing that all this predicated, is on, predicated on is being strong in the grace that comes about because of what Jesus Christ has done. So he wants to make sure he sets the stage for that. And then beginning at verse 2, he tells us, first of all, that the Christian life is like a classroom. Notice what the text says. He says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You may not realize it, but the Christian life is like a classroom. You may not realize that oftentimes you are a pupil, but you are a pupil like in a classroom. You may not realize it, but many times you are like a teacher in a classroom. 
Living the Christian life is all about listening and it's all about teaching. It's all a part of doing what God wants us to do, and that is understanding that the Christian life is like a classroom. Uh, Henry Ford, who some of you may remember studying about in school, I don't know how much they teach about him now, but he was the one that uh, first mass-produced the automobile here in the United States and made it affordable for people to buy. He is quoted by as saying, Anyone who stops learning is old, whether this happens at 20 or at 80. Anyone who keeps on learning not only remains young, but becomes constantly more valuable regardless of physical capacity. We as Christians need to understand that daily we are in the classroom. We are learning what we can learn, and we are teaching what we can teach. That's a part of living the Christian life. Uh, With the horrible, horrible shooting that took place down in Parkland, um, there at the high school, uh, there's been a re-emphasizing of this particular motto, and we even had it discussed at the school where I'm a part of, and is if you see something, say something. And that's something that's very important. If you see something unusual, uh, you need to uh, report that so the things that happened at that school won't happen at your school. But I think as far as the Christian life being like a classroom, we need to add this saying, and that is, If you know something, you need to say something. And we have that responsibility to both learn as Christians, but we also have the responsibility to teach others. And that teaching of others should be teaching others about the gospel in our community or in our uh, families and whatnot. Or it could be the responsibility of teaching our young people here in this this congregation or teaching uh, the adults. We need to understand as we live the Christian life that life is like a classroom. There's never a time that we stop learning, and there's never a time that we stop teaching. But then he goes on in verses uh, 3 and 4 and tells us something else about living the Christian life. He says the Christian life is like being in an army. He says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangle himself for the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You may not realize it this evening, but you're in the military. Uh, There's a song we sometimes sing, I'm in the Lord's army. Well, you are in the Lord's army. As soon as you became a Christian, you enlisted in that army. By your baptism, you kind of took an oath that you were going to faithfully serve the commandments uh, and the commands of our uh, chief commander, and that is Jesus Christ. I was thinking about this and thinking about how this actually applied to us today. First of all, there's the idea that we're fighting a war against evil and, of course, fighting uh, a war against Satan. But if you look very carefully at the text, it's not talking so much about the fighting as it is the enduring. That's what the text is about, is enduring hardship. Now, I know some of you served in the military here, and and some of you have even ref, uh, reflected to me some of the hardships that you went through as far as basic training and that type of thing. But I was thinking about some of the things that people go, to, go through in the military, and I thought about uh, the Navy SEALs. Uh, they've been in the news a lot lately, uh, especially because of the fact that they uh, brought Osama bin Laden down, who, who masterminded that terrible uh, terrorist attack. Uh, there's also been several TV shows and movies here lately about the Navy SEALs, and And I went on military.com, which is a website, and kind of looked at what they have to go through. 
But looking at that, the site says that about 25 to 35% of those who enter SEAL training crash and burn in the first couple of days of what's known as basic underwater demolition training or otherwise known as BUDS. And they never get to become full members of the force. But it's not just, the website brings out the fact that it's not just the physical demands of SEAL training that breaks the sailors. Uh, Traditionally, what breaks the candidates is they can't handle it uh, mentally, says Ward Carroll, the editor of Military.com. To qualify, sailors have to be in good physical shape, good mental shape, and they have to pass an intelligence screening before they can even start training. It has to be men between the ages of 17 to 28 with good eyesight and no felony record are admitted. And after six months of initial training, uh, they need to be able to swim um, almost a mile in 20 minutes, do 70 push-ups in two minutes, and run four miles under 31 minutes while wearing long pants. And if you make it through the first couple of weeks of bud training, and before you graduate the first phase of it, and there's several different phases, but the first phase of it, the graduation part of that, uh, where they get to move on to more specialized training, is something called Hell Week, which is five and a half days in which the candidates train for 20 hours a day, run more than 200 miles, and sleep just a total of four hours during that entire time period. Um, I can tell you right now, I would never, ever make it as a SEAL. But think about the hardships that they go through in order to to be this elite type of soldier. Think about how that they deny themselves so many things so they can be this type of soldier. And think about the hardness and the endurance they have to go through. Well, Paul's not saying that the Christian life is so much that hard, but he does understand the fact that when life does get hard, we have the temptation to give up. Uh, We have the temptation to give up. And therefore, um, like the seals, it's not oftentimes the physical part of it that causes us to give up. It's the mental thing. It's the mental hardships that we face. And, And so we need to always understand that no matter what we face in this life, whether it be sickness, whether it be worry, whether it be financial problems, whether it be whatever that Satan may throw at us, We need to understand that we have enlisted in the Lord's army. Uh, We serve a commander and chief named Jesus Christ, but we need to also understand that he is going to always take care of us. That's the point that the Apostle Paul is making here. We endured hardships because we're good soldiers of Jesus Christ, and we're going to please him who has chosen us to be a soldier. And so we need to understand that every day that we live the Christian life, Uh, We are a soldier in the Lord's army. Then he goes on and makes another point in verse 5. Paul tells us that the Christian life is like an athletic event. He says, If a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. Uh, That's a little bit hard to understand in the King James. The NIV puts it this way, If anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he completes according to the rule, competes according to the rules. All athletic events have rules to follow. Uh, I've always been interested in uh, long distance running. I, my son, of course, David, is very involved in long distance running, an ultra marathoner. 
And some of you may remember what happened in, on April the 21st, 1980, during the Boston Marathon. There was a lady by the name of uh, Rosie Ruiz who um, came across the finish line and won the uh, Boston Marathon, the woman's division, in a time of 2 hours, 31 minutes, and 56 seconds. And that was the fastest time that has ever been recorded by a woman in the Boston Marathon. In fact, it was the third fastest time that any woman, any woman had ever run in a marathon. And so this was like a very big deal. But um, as people were talking to her after the race, for example, the men's winner, who was a guy by the name of Bill Rogers, uh, started talking to her about the race. He would mention things like, um, you know, things that most runners know by heart. He asked her, well, what kind of intervals did you run? And, and what were your time splits? And she would just look at him with a blank stare like she had no clue what, she, what he was talking about. Uh, other people were talking to her, and they noticed as they talked to her that she didn't look like somebody who had run a marathon. She wasn't coated in salt, but oftentimes is the case from the sweating. She didn't seem like she was very tired. And finally someone asked her, he said, you know, how did you run such a fast time? You don't even look very winded. And she just simply said, I got up this morning with a lot of energy. Well, they started looking at the cameras that are at different places, and they realized that she started the race and got on a bus and then finished the race. Uh, she cheated. She cheated. Uh, she did not compete according to the rules. And I think what the Apostle Paul wants us to understand, that when it comes to the game of life, uh, we need God's help with His plan. We need to make sure that we follow His plan. We need to make sure that we compete in the right kind of way, and that is, of course, against uh, according to God's Word. Um, the Apostle Paul, when he came to the end of his life there in 2 Timothy chapter 4, um, he talks about how that he has finished the course. He has kept the faith. Henceforth, the Lord has crowned him with a crown of righteousness. And the idea there is that he has done what he needed to do to finish the course, and he did that by keeping the faith. He did it, of course, to God's rules. And so you may not realize it, but every day uh, you are involved in an athletic contest. If you are a Christian, because living the Christian life is like an athletic event, you may be the most out-of-shape person the world has ever seen when it comes to physical capacity. But as far as spiritual capacity, we need to know that each and every day that we are in a race, and that race, of course, has the final crown of spending eternity in heaven. But there's one other thing that the Apostle Paul says here in verse 6 about what the Christian life is like. He tells us that the Christian life is like a hard-working farmer. Notice what he says. Um, King James says, The husbandman that laboreth must be first partakers of the fruits. Uh, the King James, uh, I mean, the uh, better translation would be the hardworking farmer should be the first to re receive a share of the crops, a hardworking farmer. And I don't know if you ever realized it, but if you are a Christian, you are also a hardworking farmer, at least you're supposed to be. Now, my kids will tell you I've never been much of a farmer. I didn't even want to cut grass unless I had to, but I never had anything in the backyard as far as growing anything. And the reason for that may be that it's because when I was growing up, every single summer, my dad would rent an acre of farmland, and he would plant about everything he could possibly plant, 
And then he would find a lawn chair and let he would sit in it as his three boys worked that field. And we worked that field hard. There was corn that had to be taken care of. There was green beans that had to be picked. There was potatoes that had to be dug up. There was watermelon that had to be harvested. It was hard work. And at the end of the day, oftentimes after being in that hard hot sun, and I was covered in dirt, and I'm covered in sweat, and I was having aches and pains, I kind of said to myself, I'm never, ever going to have this when I'm old enough. But you know what? I enjoyed the corn that came along with it. I enjoyed the potatoes. I enjoyed the green beans. I enjoyed the watermelon. And there was fruits of the labor there that I got to partake of. And, of course, the Apostle Paul, when he reminds us that we're supposed to be like a hard-working farmer, we need to understand that this point is that whatever you put into something, you're going to get something out of it. Uh, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 reminds us that whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And we read that verse and we oftentimes think, well, that's talking about bad things, and it is talking about th- bad things, but it's also talking about good things, and that's what Paul is alluding to here. Uh, a lot of times people don't enjoy the Christian life like other people enjoy the Christian life because they don't put any effort into it. Uh, people don't enjoy worship services the way that other people enjoy worship services and being here on the Lord's Day because of the fact that they don't put anything to, into it. Uh, people uh, don't oftentimes give it, uh, like giving of their means when it comes to the contribution on the Lord's Day, and it's because they never put anything into it. They don't never put any sacrifice in it. But we need to understand that whatever you put into something, you're going to be getting out of it. And that's what the Apostle Paul is telling us. It's very easy for us as Christians just simply to coast along, and then Christianity means nothing to us. Paul wants us to be a hard-working farmer. He wants us to understand That living the Christian life is like being a hard-working farmer. And we need to put something into this life that Jesus Christ has given us. So very briefly, the Apostle Paul reminds us here in this text, predicated upon the grace of God that comes through His Son, Jesus Christ. He reminds each and every one of us that the Christian life is like a classroom. The Christian life is like being in the military. The Christian life is like... Uh, Being in an athletic competition, the Christian life is like being a hard worker, hard working farmer. And then verse 7, he he sums it all up by saying these particular words. He says, Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. In other words, he wants us to think very carefully about this, and he wants us to try to emulate the things that he's talking about. But it all boils down to the fact that it's God and His Son, Jesus Christ, that will give us the final understanding in all these things that He has talked about. Uh, This evening, I understand and appreciate the fact that that almost everyone here, of course, is a Christian. Uh, I hope you realize as you leave here tonight that you're a Christian and has many titles. But if there is someone here who is not a Christian, we want to give you the opportunity to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ or if there's some other need you may have as you live the Christian life, uh, we want you to come as together we stand and sing.